It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. And now, this is the Neighborhood Podcast with New Age Insider's Chief of Staff, D.C. Matthews. Happy Sunday, boys and girls in the neighborhood. It's time for the Neighborhood Podcast. My name is DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI, and I am the Chief of Staff of the New Age Insiders. And as always, now on the Neighborhood Podcast, I am joined by the unofficial, uncertified, unendorsed outlaw of the neighborhood and the New Age Insiders, Doc Manson himself at Doc Manson. Doc, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good today, DC. How about yourself? I am doing just fine. We are back at it again. We got a lot of good feedback from our first distance show. In fact, a Mm -hmm. lot of people were saying that they wouldn't have even noticed that we were in different rooms if we hadn't said something about it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Mrs. uh, Mrs. Manson, rather, mentioned that she thought it was we had better chemistry when we were in person. But, you know, I think part of it was probably... New technology, we're still trying to, you know, incorporate that. So I think Mm -hmm. we were just a little off our game, and I think we'll get more used to it over time. Well, as evidenced by the fact that we had to start this show three or four times because we couldn't get the clap synced up to start recording together, I'm super optimistic. I'm always optimistic. You are the eternal optimist, Doc Manson. We are seven days away from Night of Champions, the WWE pay-per-view where every title will be on the line. And do we have title matches for everything set up? One of the things that I hate about WWE is they seem to throw in a lot of their matches right at the last minute. I know you need some new stuff for the go-home show right before the pay-per-view, but we have our world title match, we have our U.S. title match, we have our tag title match. I don't know if we officially have an Intercontinental or a Divas title match. Are you aware of anything of that, Mature? Intercontinental. Um, No, there's nothing been set for sure yet, but it's going to be Owens versus Ryback, right? I, I, mean, I would assume so, but we I don't think anything's set in stone. And we have a Divas match scheduled for Monday Night Raw, Nikki versus Charlotte. We can talk about that a little later and my thoughts on that matter. But um, Absolutely. I, I assume then there would be a rematch of some kind at Night of Champions, but again, we don't know. So... You watched Raw. I actually think you watched more than I did because now that I'm back on a full-time teaching schedule, I'm going to bed wicked early, and are you all right over there? Yeah, I'm just trying to move my microphone without making a ton of noise. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. All right. So I didn't get to see all of Raw. I saw the first half, and then enough people told me it wasn't worth watching that I didn't bother catching up on the second half. I'm assuming, Did you see all of it? I have the worst short-term memory in history, and I think I saw all of it, but was this week the week that ended, that was about the statue with Sting yes. hiding with the statue? Sting and the statue. I oh, okay, yeah. the yes, I saw, I believe I saw the whole episode. I'm assuming the statue broke at the end. I think I saw a picture of it falling and breaking. Is that true? Nah, sort of. Um, it was more of a setup than that, so okay. Sting sort of did the big reveal coming out of darkness. Uh, on the Titantron, I mean, and so the statue was there, and it was all, and it showed that they were on a loading dock, and so he gave a promo, and he eventually 
when the lights came up, he realized that there was a dump truck there. So he kicked the statue over into the dump truck uh, and they crushed it. Ah, uh, uh, so okay. That was, that was the end of the statue. I was hoping that they were going to throw it into a harbor yes, or something. Yes, that's you know, what I was hoping to. I wanted less environmentally I wanted friendly. End, I wanted Raw to end with Seth Rollins swimming frantically after a statue, like trying to save it. I thought that would I would have loved it because I'm pretty sure that statue would have floated, so I think that would have been brilliant. It looked and, like it was made uh, out of chocolate to me. It looked like it was... I think it would have been buoyant. That's all I can say. Yes. I think you said it was plastic, so... Yeah, I mean, who knows, but it sure looked like it. We'll have to see. All right, so um, your thoughts on Raw, other than Sting and the statue and the dump truck? Uh, I have a question. See, that's a very, that is a very open-ended question. You're going to have to give me more specifics than that. Well, then, you're then, asking me to remember what happened on Raw. That's not a thing that, it, that happens when there's nothing you know, noteworthy. Well, then let me talk about the scorpion in the room there for a minute, or the crow in the room, if you will. This Sting is very unlike any Sting that I've ever seen. You know, I've been watching the WCW pay-per-views. You had Surfer Sting, who was the consummate good guy, who was always uh, fighting the good fight and, you know, had the crowds back and there were the little stingers at ringside. And then he became the crow and he lurked up in the rafters and he did all of that. This is like the um, jokey anti-hero Sting, which is not someone I've seen. Now, you watched TNA and I did not. Is this a Sting that you recognize? Absolutely. Um, there was a pretty clear breakpoint for Sting in TNA where he kind of transitioned from that, you know, more, I'll call it the vengeful spirit Sting, you know, the crow Sting, vengeful spirit. And he kind of transitioned more into, I mean, this was shortly after uh, the Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan film. He transitioned into a very much more of a straight up uh, Heath Ledger Joker type character. Um, and I th- I mean, at that time, it was very common for people online to be referring to him as the Joker Sting. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's out of uh, context to well, continue even, to call him that. I even believe we I've seen pictures of him, and his makeup became very Joker-influenced yes. with the green yes, and the red. Um, so this is, I would say this is a joke, you know, I would a Joker Sting, or at least a more playful Sting. And while I've enjoyed it, the parts of Raw that I did see with Sting involved were entertaining, I also don't know that this is the sting that I think cuz this is the legacy. This this guy is the sting that people are going to remember. And I'm just wondering out loud and I know you didn't watch as much WCW as I have lately, but is this the right way for the character of Sting to fly off into the sunset, so to speak? Uh I think yes. I I don't think I don't think the legacy um I, I I mean, this is not the right way to state this, but see if you follow me. Sure. The legacy doesn't matter. Okay. Um, the legacy is going to exist one way or another. The stuff that happened in WCW is always going to be there, and it's always going to be, be uh, preserved on the WWE Network. True. So in terms of the run right now, I think the thing that Sting is focusing on and should be focusing on is simply being entertaining. And if you want to get over with the current fans, you can't just come in and sort of rely on what you did 20 years ago. You got to come in and be entertaining. And I think, you know, sort of playing with the audience expectations now, throwing in a little more of that jokiness. I mean, I like it because I always have enjoyed, um, you know, the goofy aspects of wrestling. Wrestle and silly. I think it, 
Absolutely, and I think it incorporates a little bit more of that. And you're right, maybe it's not as somber. Maybe that does affect how people view them instead of the all the gravitas that went with the crow or vengeful mm-hmm. spirit gimmick. But you know what? I think it's the right character for right now because... Again, he needs to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Well, and I suppose that makes a that's a valid point. Also, it, the the crow, the vengeful guy, and I know they can't have anyone looking in the rafters anymore. And I know they've discussed on an AI pod. Why? Why would that be? Because then, if there's somebody in the rafters, do you? Rem- I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. Okay, all right. So they're not going to have anyone descending from the rafters. That much is true. So. But this guy would be – this is the character you need to complement Seth Rollins right now. Seth Rollins is the I'm the best – you know, he's kind of that – whether you call him whiny or selfish babyface. And a, a vengeful guy isn't going to work. You know, you're not going to see Bray Wyatt feuding with Seth Rollins right now. But that playful, jokerish character does work because he's the one that gets Seth Rollins all annoyed. I didn't see it, but I assume Rollins' reactions to the crushing was – Entertaining and they were okay. You know, he didn't fall to his knees and start weeping openly. Not that I recall. I thought his reactions to Cena's um, promo before the last pay per view was a better sort of performance from Seth Rollins. Um, but yeah, if he had just gone completely over the top, throwing a tantrum, kicking, screaming, Edge and Christian style or exactly. something, I mean, that would have been entertaining, yes. And maybe he did do it, but it didn't make an impression on me. I don't recall that happening. Well, and I think I would have seen part of that because I did see, you know, bits and I've seen bits and pieces and the clips you can find online about it. So, what did you, what did you write down? I have to ask because I'm sure everybody heard it. You heard it. I was writing a sign because I think we should start communicating. So I wanted to say, can you read this? Did you read it? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can read it. Okay. That way, um, we'll have to see. Somebody's going to be like, I heard what sounded like Sharpie being done on your podcast, and it was really Absolutely. annoying, and I wish you wouldn't do it. So, all right. You mentioned Edge and Christian, and I, I don't know that there's a whole lot to talk about Sting and Rollins wise. They're going to fight. We'll do some predictions next week. But you mentioned Edge and Christian, and Edge and Christian had a, a brief guest appearance on Monday Night Raw. And then they More appeared- importantly, more importantly, the Kazoo had a guest appearance the on Kaz- Raw. The Kazoo did have a guest appearance on Raw. Oh, yeah. Now, That's what I'm talking about. I tweeted this on Monday when I was – or Tuesday morning when I was watching. Uh, when wrestling is really good, it – the whole suspension of disbelief part is there. And that was a moment, not the kazoos, though that was great, but there was a moment there where Edge and Rollins were face-to-face and there was a confrontation, and Edge challenged him, and it was such a good moment that just for a minute, I was like, oh my god, Edge is coming back. We're going to see Edge versus Rollins. And now Edge has, you know, neck injuries. He cannot wrestle again, and he said he will not wrestle again, but... That's the magic of wrestling. For that moment, I was like, oh, my God, it's a secret. He's going to do it. It's amazing. So I, then the kazoos did come back. We saw a brief moment with the Dudleys. That could have been more there, I thought, but it was all yeah. kind of more for the new day, which was just fine. So mm-hmm. your thoughts on that. We'll talk about the Austin podcast in a minute. Your thoughts on Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, the kazoos. That there there was some more Russell Silly right there. That I, yeah, Great. Love it. Little doses are perfect of that kind of stuff. Inject it where you can. Uh, it was good to see Edge and Christian back. Obviously, I have no delusions of them being back in any sort of full-time capacity. I know Christian technically is still around. Mm-hmm. He's 
perpetually been injured with concussions recently, but he's still sort of part of the main roster as far as I know. He's on the website, which is entertaining because on the Austin podcast, which you didn't watch, and we'll talk about that, but on the Austin podcast, he continually talked about his career in the past tense. That makes sense. He made no promises. He spoke nothing about, you know, he has no regrets. He sounded like a guy who's done, and he didn't get the edge retirement moment, and maybe he didn't want that, but I don't think he's coming back. But I did enjoy it. That wrestle silly part is what I'm watching. That's what, you know, that's why I was so mad. I don't want to go off on this topic yet, but that's why I was so mad when I heard the rumor that they're going, they're getting rid of the Bo Dallas character and they're going to reinvent him as something else. Don't you do it. Don't you take my Bo Dallas away from me. But you mentioned. We don't need Bo Dallas. We so, he's so good. He's just. No. Nope. He, you know, he, he's not the greatest wrestler, and granted, he hasn't had a chance to really show great wrestling skills. But just make him a manager. My goodness, Bo Dallas, Damian Sando, Curtis Axel. I'm watching. You know, those three versus the New Day. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. You mentioned nope. you didn't watch the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast. No, I did not. And then you also said that you're not a big fan of the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast. Can you expand on that for the neighborhood? Okay. Well. He, especially on the WWE Network, obviously they're setting him up to have some pretty good interviews, and they're sort of painting it as, oh, he's going to ask the hard-hitting questions. Um, and I think I watched one of the early ones that he did, maybe with Triple H, or with Vince McMahon. I don't know if I watched both of them, but I think I watched one or the other. Sure. And more recently, I think I finally did sit down and watch the one with Paul Heyman, mm. just because I like Paul Heyman. Yes. But... He doesn't ask hard-hitting questions. He's part of the company, clearly in some capacity. He's got some sort of deal set up. And he's not asking any questions that are really pressing anybody. Or I mean, the, the, I don't know. At this point, I find him to be a very weak character. I, I don't know. I just I don't feel like they're, they've used him particularly well. You want to talk about, you know, um, legacies. I think they're starting to dilute the Stone Cold thing by calling upon him whenever they can, trying to get that sort of Stone Cold rub. I understand he was wildly popular during the Attitude Era, and I was super excited to see him for a long time, but at this point, they just keep rolling him out. And But he's no on the reason. cover of the new video game. Isn't that amazing? Eh. I'm sure it'll sell a lot of copies, because a lot of people who haven't paid attention to wrestling in 10 years are going to say, Oh, Stone Cold, I remember that guy! But, I mean... Does, as somebody who is watching wrestling, he no longer does anything for me. Um, and on top of that, when I was watching, when I, I used to listen to the Stone Cold podcast before he was on the WWE Network, and that podcast was, I don't know, 50% ads and 25% rambling about the Broken Skull Ranch and whatever stupid reality TV show he was currently filming. Mm -hmm. And then he would spend a little bit of time on maybe some things I thought were kind of interesting interviewing people. But even then, I don't think he really asked any hard-hitting questions. He was always just protecting himself and making him look like he was a really big deal. And don't get me wrong, he was a really big deal. But I've heard that perspective, and I don't need to hear it anymore. I have a hard time with wrestler podcasts, and I've tweeted about this many, many times, because yes. ex for exactly that reason. They're trying to promote their character. So Stone mm -hmm. Cold is trying to talk about being Stone Cold Steve Austin, even when he's talking about, you know, fighting with the wife. And, you know, how about, you know, when you're doing dishes, you got to really get that elbow grease in there. And, you know, I, I can see why some people would find it entertaining. I particularly don't. 
I have a lesser opinion of Jim Ross than I usually do, or I used to do, because of his podcast, because he came across so many times when he wasn't selling ads, when he wasn't talking about, you know, how great he was, he was coming across as this bitter old man. And yeah. don't, Chris Jericho, same way. You know, I don't watch mm-hmm. the Chris Jericho podcast because it is, it, especially when he's on the WWE Network, it is such a corporate figure that he's putting across and he's like, oh, <laughs> well, that's true. All right. So, and I hate, yeah, I, I hate I, that I said character. that about Stone Cold specifically, but I did. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way about pretty much all wrestling podcasts that I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a feeling of mutual. So, but I will say this, the, the one time I do enjoy wrestler podcasts is when you have a couple of wrestlers who obviously were friends or traveling buddies in the business talking about their lives or that. And for that reason, and for more kazoos, you should watch the Edge and Christian one because I thought it was great. You know, they, okay. they were, there was the Wrestle Silly. At one point, Austin wears a silly little hat and plays the ukulele, you know, which is not stone cold, but that was probably when I enjoyed that character the most was when he was the Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care kind of guy, you know, having that weird relationship with Kurt Angle. So that part was good. These three obviously knew each other, spent time in the business together, were friendly, and had some experiences to talk about and share. And for that part, it was it was entertaining. You know, to the point where, and again, we covered the casual fan versus you know me being the more you know wrestling focused fan. Mrs. Matthews watches Haven, so she actually paid attention to a good portion of that podcast because. She Mainstream. she knows Edge and you know she's seen Edge and Christian and she thinks they're good guys and so she thought that part was actually interesting. It's very rare that she'll watch something unless she's making fun of Lex Luger's diaper or something like that. So I do think I understand completely what you're saying, but if you have a spare hour of your day when you're not working your crazy university job, you should check out the podcast because it was pretty good this coming monday night i don't know if you've heard after monday night raw there's going to have this new show called table for three where they get three wrestlers or legends to sit down and talk and the three members of the new day biggie kofi and xavier woods are going to be sitting down to talk about their careers and their lives and why they think that new day has become such the phenomenon i can tell by your face that you're 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 making that appointment television. You're going to be awake at 11 p.m. watching that. Um, look, I get the idea of current members of the roster selling their characters. Okay, I get it. But pretending like New Day is a phenomenon, I think, is ridiculous. Uh, they, don't get me wrong. They're entertaining. I like the goofiness. They're two-time champions. But... I don't feel like they've really had any sort of runaway mainstream success that's sort of grown organically with the audience. They're still just sort of being pushed through because that's what management wants to do. I I don't really think they're, you know, a phenomenon by any stretch of the imagination. I don't. Well, there you go. You, You wanted some more negative backlash after your Roman Reigns debacle from a few weeks ago. You just got it right there because Doc Manson says he doesn't think New Day is a phenomenon. Be prepared. I don't. I think they're entertaining. I think... Um, Xavier Reed, uh, Woods is very annoying and irritating, and the trombone thing was sort of, you know, brilliant in a goofy way. I appreciated him playing some video game themes on that thing, um, showing his gamer cred, but 
Yeah, I don't know. They just, they come across as very forced in a way that Bo Dallas comes across as forced. And I don't know. It's just, it's, mm, eh, take your leave. I can, not a phenomenon. I can understand a little bit of why someone might feel Bo Dallas is forced, but I think, for me personally, well, I think he's forced on purpose, though. Well, course, yes. Well, so. and for me, per- for me personally, I think that's part of it as well. Like New Day is supposed to be the annoying, you know, and I know they go out of their way to do so, but I, I don't think that you know that is some organic character. You know, they're getting the chance to improv and bring their own things into it, which is what and they're being successful because I don't like them. Right? They are being successful in that regard. But I don't feel like these are three guys you sit down at a table right now and talk about the phenomenon of their careers together. They've been together for what six months, if that. Mm-hmm. Like so, it, so perhaps it's just not I, earned yet. I would have to go back online to look. Maybe I they don't are not supposed to discuss the phenomenon. They're supposed to discuss how their real life friendship has allowed them to evolve this group into something more than what it was when it started. When it was just three guys doing these gospel promos, and that was it. Okay. All right. I mean, when you when you put it that way. That sounds infinitely more okay. um, approachable to me. Sounds like something that could be entertaining. To, not necessarily entertaining, but could be interesting to hear. Absolutely. All right. So perhaps that's my fault. So here's a question for you. How do you feel? I don't know how big a proponent you are in kayfabe, this whole idea of keeping the characters. How do you feel about three guys on the active roster who might sit down and talk about their characters out of character? Do you, do you want your wrestlers to keep the facade up outside of the ring? Do you mind? Do you want them to be saying, okay, look, this is the character and I'm doing this? How do you feel about that whole keeping kayfabe question? I don't really care about keeping kayfabe. And I, I always kind of thought that it went to ridiculous lengths by having like people dress in character as they're traveling around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I felt so bad for you know, a good portion of the last 20 years about Kane having to have his head shaved halfway with the uh, one contact in his one eye. It just went to ridiculous lengths to some degree, and especially in the modern age of the Internet where kayfabe is – I mean, kayfabe has a place, obviously, but it doesn't exist everywhere. And I think, you know, having that sort of segregated to the internet where the fans were responsible more for breaking kayfabe was fine. Um, having them actually do it themselves, I guess I have a little bit of hesitation there because they're putting this out on the WWE Network, which is likely to be consumed by a lot of people. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, I guess I'm mixed on it. You know, I don't okay. really care about keeping kayfabe, but at the same time, it does seem a little strange, absolutely, to be mixing it in with on an official news source Mm -hmm. for the network. I don't think we should pretend that these people aren't real people. I don't think we should, you know, hide their actual stories. I think those should get out there. I guess I just question the platform by which they're delivering it. But at the same time, they can only deliver these things if they're going to deliver them on their own platform, so it's not like it's something that you can really solve, yeah. right? Well, and I and I think doing it after Raw, now I know that it's all on demand so you can watch it whenever you want, but there is kind of a late-night aspect to it. You know, after Raw is over, here's this extra thing going on, and it may be, you know, that's something that, you know, 
adults are going to watch. You know, the, the you're not going to have kids staying up till midnight. I hope they're young whippersnappers of the world. I hope that they're not staying awake. So those are going to be, you know, college-age people, people who are actually bought into the New Day, because I don't think a lot of kids like the New Day anyways. So I just found it online, so it is totally my fault. This is what the description reads. The New Day discusses life on the road, their ups and downs, and the special bond that brought them to the top of the WWE tag team division. So Yeah, okay. Not a, ph- not a phenomenon, but at the same time, you know, I doubt you'll be watching. So Nah, I mean... You know, actually, I think some interesting conversations come from there. Um, one of the places where I always really appreciated Breaking Kayfabe was uh, in books. Mick Foley's series of books were phenomenal. Sure. I think that's a good place for it. You have to be a pretty serious wrestling fan to seek that stuff out mm-hmm. and to actually read through it. Um, the more, and I, so I guess I can't really have a problem with it simply being more digestible by being presented in a video format. Mm-hmm. So it's still fine, I guess. I just, I liked more separation, I guess. But yeah, that's it. All right. One of the things I do like about Breaking Kayfabe is that it gives you a glimpse of the wrestler, the personality, the actual personality, rather than the wrestler. And the reason I mention that is, I think it was last week, we saw that with a wrestler that you and I disagree about quite strongly. You at least appreciate him. I despise him like poison, yet I will say... Watching Ryback present the Intercontinental title to that kid in the crowd warmed me to him a little bit. Far more than any of the stuff he's done in the ring. Far more than the splash. And really, Michael Cole, you can stop saying how rare it is for Ryback to go to the top rope. He's been doing that splash for months now. At this point, it's vintage, Exactly. Right? Vintage. Um, but... It That did it far more than any of the stupid arm pumping, far more than any of the feed me more chanting, but it, that was because that wasn't Ryback doing it, that was Ryan Reeves. And so, I like Ryan Reeves, I don't like Ryback, but if we see more of that, what one of the reasons, and I won't say it's the only reason, but one of the reasons the Attitude Era was so good was that it got the chance for wrestlers to show an exaggerated form of their own personality. We're seeing that with New Day. I wouldn't mind seeing that with Ryback because I think Ryback's kind of an interesting guy. I think we could see that with Rusev if he's ever on television again because I think he's a funny guy. You watch his Twitter, he's hilarious. That is going to help him break away from that Russian gimmick far more than anything else that they're going to try. So I enjoyed that. Did Did you see that moment? Your thoughts on... You know, was that breaking uh, kayfabe? Yeah. Was that breaking kayfabe a little bit? Do you think? No, no, not at all. Just it's a hundred percent in character for Ryback, Ryback as a good guy face to do that in character or not. So it was fun. All right, it's no different than John Cena going out there and handing a, a wrist thing to uh, one of his fans. Really, they're just painting him as a baby face. So but that's John Cena's character. John Cena's character. character is the Make a Wish. Look at work for the kids kind of thing. Is that what Ryback has become now? He's gone from yes. being this feed me more monster to. I mean, he's think, both. Think of the still, children kind of thing. But he's still very much. They, they've dropped all the heel tendencies of that character. He's a straight babyface. So, I mean, while that may have be John Cena's ingrained more so into his character, I don't see any reason why a babyface for this to be out of character for them either. I think it it works all around. I I feel like that's, you know, John Cena is, in many ways, while it is his personality, he's a cartoon character. 
And I would hate to think that... Well, what about Brett the Hitman Hart? Was he a cartoon character? He was out there handing sunglasses to kids every week, right? Yes, but I don't necessarily... Well, and maybe he was a cartoon character, but that was, you know... Again, well, okay. All right, you got me on Brett the Hitman Hart. Curse you, Doc Watson. Curse you. Uh-huh. So, that's what I like to hear. So you, but again, and I guess maybe where I'm coming from is, do we need multiples of those? You know, John Cena is one of those characters. Bailey in NXT is going to be one of those characters, and I think she can be the female John Cena if they keep going with this direction. But do we need all of our baby faces to be? Hey, there, sport! You keep doing a great job. Well, let me lay this on you. Lay it on me. John Cena turns heel. And then Ryback needs to be the new John Cena. Perfect. Brilliant. It works out. This is proof, man. John Cena turning heel. I called it. Here first. Never going to happen. I wish I had crickets. <laughs> I wish I need to find crickets so I could just play that after that thing because what the the I'm not sure I actually believe you, that's ever no, gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. Honest, the John Cena heel yeah. moment has come and gone. Like they've missed the opportunity. If they try it now, it's just going to be a, a shell of what it could have. You think been. he'll just get booed more? I think so too. I do, and not in the way that they want. No, it's going to be. Oh, you obviously. finally did what we've been asking you to do. Well, now we don't like you anyways. Boo! Right. At this so. point, we don't care. Yeah, you're right. Miss the boat. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think all good guy characters have to do that. But frankly, it, really, the situation that you're positing is that there are two on the roster. I mean, that's hardly everybody, is it? So, I mean, whatever. I think it's fine. Especially since these guys are, you know, the champions. I mean, maybe not John Cena is not currently a champion, but he is. That's sort of ingrained in his character as far as I'm concerned. The champ is here, right? So he's always kind of a champion, even if he isn't physically, literally the champion. And as for Ryback, as the Intercontinental Champion, he's kind of the top of that division. I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't be maybe having a little more public face, interacting with the fans a little bit more. Maybe that's, uh, you know, an ambassador sort of position that anybody with that sort of championship position should be fulfilling. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So New Day should be giving trombones well, to Well, I the mean, kids. that's a little different, right? Because they're technically heels. But as a face champion, I don't see any reason why not. I mean, the Usos probably would do the same thing as tag team well, champions, and, and right? Maybe this is, and they did. maybe this is touching upon a larger question here. There are two types of baby faces that I can think of right now. You have your cartoon character, ultimate good guys, the John Cena's, the Usos, who definitely come to mind, the Rybacks, and then you have the anti-hero types, your Roman Reigns and your Dean Ambrose's. Is there nothing in between? Is there no, you know, are, well, do you have to be I think one it's of funny, those two? I think, it's, I think it's funny that you even break it up like that, because it, it, by presenting that to me the way you did, it, this leads me to believe that they, for the anti-heroes, it's not appropriate for them to be doing this. Is that what you're saying? Because look what they've been doing with Roman Reigns and the Tea Party stuff with his daughter. They've been having him up there speaking anti-bully stuff despite being an anti-hero. They're doing the exact same thing. It's a little bit of different twist. They're not, he's, but I mean, it's it's the same. It's the same. But he's not going. To, he's not walking through the crowd handing out Roman Reigns wristbands or anything. No, like but that. he's publicly in a public facing way. He is being an ambassador for the brand. I mean, it's the same thing, whether it's Make-A-Wish or it's, you know, the bully campaign. It's just it manifests in different ways because Make-A-Wish, you have to actually fulfill wishes. Whereas this, you're just a spokesperson for Roman Reigns, right? 
And so Dean Ambrose is the ambassador because he's doing the movie and all of that. You know, he's probably doing some press and those kinds of things. Sort of. I mean, less so for Dean Ambrose, I think, because it's, let's face it, it's a directed DVD movie. I mean, it's not like he's getting a lot of publicity. Are you going to watch it? It, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I have not seen any of the 12 round movies. Um, but the previews for this one, I think look okay. I buy Dean Ambrose in that role. He looks to me like, you know, like almost like a Sylvester Stallone type character or Bruce Willis. Like I see him, the little smirks and things that he does in moments in that preview. And I actually think it looks like a decent eighties, nineties era action flick. Uh, I, th- I think he could have an actual career doing those types of films, th- just from what I've seen from the previews. I think you should watch it, and then on a future Neighborhood podcast, you can be Roger Ebert and do your own movie review, <laughs> breaking down. Well, I think you should watch it, too, and be my Gene Siskel. But then I'd have to pay for it. and Yeah, me too, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, but you seem interested, and and, and you are, not to, not to reveal yourself as a, one of the depth pieces of depth to your character is you are the B movie guy. You are the, you are the fan of those kinds of things. You enjoy a quote unquote bad movie or at least a movie. I don't think that old eighties, nineties action movies are quote unquote bad movies. Yes. I like a lot of bad horror movies. Don't get me wrong, but like, I don't think Die Hard is a bad movie. And I see shades of that here. I don't necessarily, I mean, maybe it's a little cheese. All action movies have a certain degree of cheese to them, but I think that just goes along. I'm surprised you don't like them. Don't you like the expendables and things like that? I mean, we talk about wrestling silly and that's the movie equivalent, right? I have watched some of the expendables movies and the, you know, the one, whichever one had Jean-Claude Van Damme was my personal favorite because Jean-Claude Van Damme, that was two. Jean-Claude Van Damme is amazing at anything, but. I, I'm not as big into that. You know, I, I like the Wrestle Silly, and I'll just rather spend my time on the WWE Network watching as much Wrestle Silly as I can. I just saw mm-hmm. Bash at the Beach 1995 done on the California coast, and they have a lifeguard match, so they're bringing out people dressed in full Baywatch garb. And it sounds great. They have them and lumber. It's a lumberjack match, but they're calling it lifeguard. So you've got Arn Anderson in a tie dye t shirt. You've got Harlem Heat in a tie dye t shirt. Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a tie dye t shirt surrounding the ring, watching Ric Flair and Randy Savage go at it. That's what I want. I would, okay. you know, but you should do it. But so, and if you do, this becomes a recurring segment here on the Neighborhood Podcast. Then you can watch the Mrs. Christmas movie that's coming out. Uh, and nope, you can not rep- happen. Come on. As I told you, I don't really watch WWE movies. I don't care about 12 rounds. I didn't watch whatever the one was with Stone Cold. I did see um, See No Evil with Kane. I thought that was actually a pretty good movie. The second one I didn't see yet, but um, that I thought the previews for that looked phenomenal. Uh, I'm surprised that that series hasn't sort of taken off. It seemed like he would have been a good horror movie icon, you know, in the vein of your Freddy Krueger's, in the vein of your West. I mean, the first one, they didn't really give him much of a chance to spread his acting chops. He was more of a silent sort of antagonist. But I thought that they did well enough with it. And the twists that they appeared to be putting on to the Jacob Goodnight character in the second one from the previews just made it look like a much more... It looked like something that more of a hardcore horror fan might actually act, might actually appreciate. They and they actually got respectable directors uh, for that second film as well. The Soska sisters they are kind of a rising stars in the horror um, genre. I, I know that they are now responsible for a couple other films for WWE networks. That recent Big Show um, film that they were they were also attached to that, and so I'll, 
I don't know what to say about their reputation after that, but they have put out some uh, previous American Mary, I think, was the one. It was a body modification sort of film that was very popular in sort of the indie horror side of things. And I really thought that Sino Evil 2 was going to maybe take off as well, but eh, who knows? I, I have to ask this question now because it's on my mind, uh, and we'll return back to the wrestling portion of the Neighborhood Podcast instead of this B-movie thing. Have you seen Human Centipede? Um, I've seen... The first one, and I've seen parts of the second one, and I've seen the preview for the third one. Those, I mean, I like, I like gross movies, I do, but I don't really care for, um, torture films, like the hostile movies never did anything for me. And, I don't know, Human Centipede is just kind of gross for the sake of being gross. It's one of those films that you watch it and you kind of say to yourself at the time, man, I can't believe I'm watching this! But it's got nothing to it. Like, it's got some notoriety, I know, because it's kind of sick and over the top, but I don't think it has any lasting power. I think it's just kind of a one-off, ridiculous sort of thing, and I don't really understand why there are sequels either. They got kind of more goofy with it, but I, All right. I don't know. It does really doesn't That was just me. morbid curiosity on my part. I want to wrap up the WWE section of this before we talk about NXT for a while with three quick questions. You mentioned Kane. Do we see Kane again in 2015, yes or no? Maybe. Okay. I'm just going to leave it at that. Do we see the the wishful thinking rumors have been the WWE has been interested in bringing back at least Jeff Hardy and possibly his brother. Do we see the Hardy boys between now and WrestleMania 32? No. All right. And final question. <laughs> Final question. You want to ask me why I think that? I why? Sure. Why do? Why do you, do you think I mean, that? No. Well, first, before I say why I think that, do you think we're going to see the Hardy Boys before WrestleMania? Yes. I why? think T. Uh, I think WWE. I written. I wrote about this yesterday. WWE is trying to capture on nostalgia. They don't have the top tier of stars they need to, you know, really get this promotion going again. And the only way to do it now is to bring back people. They did it with the Dudley boys. It went over big. The moment with Edge and Christian went over big. I think the natural next step would be to bring back the Hardys. TLC's in December. Maybe you have one final TLC match, the Dudleys, the Hardys. You throw in, you could throw in New Day. You could throw in, I actually think Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns as a team. Um, which I think they should be doing for the next few months would be an interesting option as the third team there. You have one more TLC match for those teams. And then just like they're doing with the Dudleys, they can rewrite the Dudleys history. It's not the Dudleys who spent the last nine years of their careers in TNA. It's the Dudleys who finished up with WWE. And when they're inducted into the hall of fame in 2017 or 2018, they're, I agree with you, except for the fact that the last time Jeff Hardy was in the WWE, he just burned out and basically quit. He burned a bridge with how he left last time. And I don't know that they're going to overlook that for... I know there might be a little be some money to be made, and Vince McMahon has always been willing to look over past things like that when there's money to be made. But let's face it, when the whole thing with Matt Hardy and Edge and Lita went down, that he brought back Matt Hardy, right? But that went nowhere. That didn't make him any money. Do you think he's going to take another risk on Matt Hardy? I don't think so. And then Jeff Hardy's been a perpetual burnout for most of his career. I mean, 
He really has been. He's had drug problems up and down. He gets, um, you know, what was what was it last time when he left? He was mental exhaustion and twitching leg syndrome or something. I mean, it, I just he seems like too much of a loose cannon. And maybe, I mean, maybe over the course of the last ten years, maybe they've seen what he's been doing in TNA and how reliable he has been. Don't get me wrong; he has sort of turned himself around, or at least he did. But are they going to take that risk again? They're going to take him in and try to give him some sort of um, a bump, or rub, and then just. Waiting for that to happen again? I, I don't know. I just don't I'm see not it. saying that I think Jeff Hardy wins another world title. I actually don't. Oh, I don't yeah. think you see either Hardy boy in a singles match again. Mm. But as a tag team, you put the two of them together. They, they get the part-time schedule so they don't have to get back on the road. It's, you know, you make... That would be key. You, they put them on the road and Jeff Hardy's not no. going to ma- make You make an appearance at... Maybe Survivor Series, let's say. You you do a run-in, you have face-to-face, or the Raw after Survivor Series. They show up face-to-face with the Dudleys. You build to that big TLC match, Dudleys, Hardys, insert third team here. Maybe then they get into a feud with, you know, New Day. Or, do you think anybody knows who the Hardy Boys are Did anymore? anybody know who the Dudley Boys were? I, but that's a, that's a, that's a good response, but... Don't you think that people had a better chance of recognizing the Dudleys as opposed to just some guy with some face paint on and a T-shirt hanging out of his back jeans pocket from those pants that are way too big? Why would they recognize the Dudleys more than the Hardys? I just think they have more of a recognizable look with the glasses and things like that. I think that's kind of is an image that sticks I, with I, I agree with the image part, but of the four of them, the only one who's been a WWF or slash E world champion is Jeff Hardy. The only one, That's the true. only one of them that I think has been a TNA champion is Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy's yeah, but he's he's also just a guy. He is. You know but what I mean? if you bring the two of them out with the old music and the you know and the look, I think you do it. And again, that's what WWE Network's job is: is if there's a person who you know goes out there and reintroducing exactly, them, yeah, you know, you do a whole thing. The TLC becomes a, its own mini documentary, and it's Edge and Christian. It really tells the story of Edge and Christian, the Hardys, and the Dudleys. I think they come back, they wrestle five or six times. Maybe they retire at WrestleMania 32. I think 32 could be when we see a whole lot of people hang up the boots, so to speak. And that's the end. So I do think we see the Hardys back. And the last one, uh, does Stone Cold Steve Austin ever wrestle for WWE again? Does he ever have one more match? Here's a better question. Who the hell cares? Well, I think a lot of people do, but obviously Doc Manson does. I think a lot of people cared 10 years ago, and I think maybe a lot of people think they care about it, but if they stop right now and really think about it, I think a lot of people would change their answer if they really thought about what Stone Cold would do in another match because he's not going to be physically able to really go. Um, And obviously his character has been diluted over time. I mean, when you really think about it, yeah, it might be a nice moment, but what's it going to accomplish? Well, and that's, you know, it's really the entrance that they're looking for. You know, if Stone Cold Steve Austin showed up at 32, wrote a four-wheeler down to the ring, rode around. Do you think Stone Cold's going to come back and put somebody over? I don't think Stone Cold, you didn't ask, I don't think Stone Cold wrestles again. 
I was asking. Okay. Well, that's just fine. You yeah. Know, I, mean, I, I, I don't either. I, but yeah. First I mean, of all, I, you'd have to find the right opponent because I don't think he's going to wrestle a new guy. He's not going to come in and put Dean Ambrose over as much as people would like no. to think so. He's going to want to wrestle an older guy. And as much as Jason Maltoff might want to dream of his Steve Austin, Bill Goldberg final confrontation, that's never going to happen. Sorry, Jason, but it's never going to happen. But I don't think he does. I think he shows up at one or two more WrestleManias, driving his four-wheeler, drinking some beers, popping the crowd, and that's all you ever need from him. That's all you ever need from The Rock. I don't ever need to see The Rock wrestle again. You know, he's in better shape. He probably could do a better job. But all I need for him to do is come down to the ring, do his pose, make fun of somebody, and that's it. You know, I, I don't... Sure. These, you know, I'm all for nostalgia... NAI-stalgia, call it what you will. And I'm all for the Hardys coming back because I think they still have a little bit left in the tank. They've been wrestling recently. But you bring back these guys who haven't wrestled in years, and I don't need it. I don't need Mick Foley to ever wrestle again. I don't need I don't need Triple H to ever wrestle again. I know he will, but I don't personally don't need him to ever wrestle again. So Nope. Uh, yep, you're right. All right. Let's dive into NXT because there's some things to talk about here. The Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic is moving along. I believe round one is done. I'm a little irritated they didn't show all of the matches on an actual NXT taping, but round one is done. We have the main event of our next takeover on October 7th. Are you aware of this? Nope. The main event of takeover October 7th, Sasha Banks versus Bailey in a 30-minute Iron Woman match. Hold on a second. Who said this was the main event? They've it's been all over. I know you don't follow wrestlers on Twitter, but it's been uh, it's been not. all over. Triple H has posted it. NXT's Twitter page has officially posted it. It is main eventing NXT Takeover. It's okay. Sasha versus Bailey. Thirty minutes. I don't think that's a good main event. Why match. not? Because I don't think this is going to be controversial. Get ready, folks. I don't think Bailey is good enough for that to be a main event match. You don't think her match with Sasha Banks from the last takeover, which went 20-plus minutes, was a main event quality match? It was fine. It was a good match. I like Bailey a whole lot, but she's not the sort of person that I see in a main event feud. I just don't. She's more, if again, we've said, we talked about this a little before, how the women's division does not have a mid-card. Um, she's a mid-carder. Sorry, if you want a main event takeover, that's Charlotte versus Sasha Banks. Period. There's nobody else who could do it. Becky Lynch couldn't do it. Um, I don't. I may be Paige, but Paige is so much a main event roster person at this point. I don't think that really counts either. But in terms of people who I still actively associate with NXT, it's Charlotte versus Sasha Banks. That's the only one that, to me, has that level of uh, that degree of I can't think of the word, but you know. That's just the one that's worthy of that, that. match. I, I'll um, agree and disagree with you on different points. I will agree with you that Charlotte versus Sasha Banks, you are just about guaranteed a main event level performance. Like if they were going to have women main event and takeover, Charlotte versus Sasha was where to go. And I know that was. And they, that, what I was trying to say is they have the prestige to actually be the main event. 
But I will also say that their time for that has passed. You couldn't put Charlotte no. and Sasha as the main event of this next takeover. I still wouldn't. I mean, I still wouldn't think that'd be a great matchup. But you know, if you, we had talked the last takeover, the takeover before that, by all means, at that point they could. No, have done if we're it talking that. late 2014, early 2015, before the Divas Revolution started in WWE, they could have done it. But the problem was then you had Owens and Zayn, and you actually had enough top. You know, this to me is more a reflection on the state of the singles men's, you know, Finn Balor does not have an opponent. Finn Balor is boring garbage. This is the theme of the neighborhood podcast is Doc Manson creates controversy. And then DC Matthews tries to, you know, I try to like package it in such a way and say, well, you know, I'll agree with you in this small thing. And then you'll go, no. And not only that, here's some more controversy. Samoa Joe (laughs) is terrible or, no, he's not. Samoa Joe is fantastic. I'm, I'm just saying, you're just going to keep piling nope, on. No, don't put words in my mouth. Samoa Joe is fantastic. Give him the title. Well, right and now. see, but again, you know, and, and whether or not you think Finn Balor's boring is, and I'm more inclined to agree with you on that than the last one. But let's let's finish up with the thing because I do. You don't think Joe should have the title? Let me get finish up my thoughts on the women. You don't think Joe should have the title? I don't know what Joe's going to do with the title. I don't, Samoa uh, Joe to me, I am not, I have seen nothing that shows me that Samoa Joe is going to actually be a WWE superstar. Unless Samoa Joe is going to you. win the title and then put over the next guy, Apollo Crews or, uh, you know, Tommaso Ciampa or. Yeah, I think Dream Joe of Dreams Bull is Dempsey. an enhancement talent. I know he won at the last pay per view. Um, against Corbin. But yeah, he, yeah, but he very much strikes me as an enhancement talent and maybe. Beating Corbin was a way of giving him a little more credibility well, and there's nothing, in NXT. There's nothing know, wrong with that. I have no problem no, with that. And, and, and I'll say this. I don't mind. I'm just fine if Samoa Joe wins the title, if he's going to use it to eventually, you know, if he dominates for five, six months. You heard it here first, folks. DC Matthews says Samoa Joe is a transitional champion at best. I do say that. I, I, there's some controversy that I'll agree with. If he wins the title, he's a transitional <laughs> champ. He's the guy. I get because again, I don't know that he wants a full time touring schedule at this stage of his career. Does he want to go on the road, you know, 300 nights a year and tour all over the country and have to deal with that kind of thing? He can go to full sales. Yes. He can perform, you know, two or three times a month, do a couple of live events, stay in Florida, and still be a, you know, fairly recognizable name. I don't, you know, I think maybe we see him at a Royal Rumble as an appearance, but I don't think Samoa Joe has a very long run in WWE ahead of him. I don't think he wants it. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my prediction. I think if he wasn't in NXT, he'd probably be in Japan. Yeah. And then I start thinking about, well, would he rather be touring here or would he rather go to Japan? And I can't speak for him personally. I don't know what his preferences are. But it seems to me by having stayed around here that he already weighed those options. So I have to believe that to some degree he's interested in being a WWE guy. I don't know. I, I don't know what his deal is. And neither degree. of us are, you know, our personal friends right, we of don't, Samoa we don't Joe. Know. We don't. But I, uh, so back to what we were all saying right, So let's go back. Let's go back two or three topics because we bounced around there a little bit. We were talking. All right. I do that. So we were talking about the women's match. Do I think Sasha and Bailey can be a main event match? Yes, I do. I think Bailey needs moments like this to become that main event person because this is, I thought last month was the last Sasha Banks appearance in NXT. This is most definitely the last Sasha Banks appearance in NXT. Bailey needs to run that division. There's no, Bailey has a problem. 
Bailey is very much as you said, has the potential to be the John Cena equivalent of the yes. women's division. However, the entire basis of her character is on awkwardness. And she needs to shed that if she's ever actually going to be the basis for the division or to be that true sort of John Cena character. I don't think you can do both things. Her character has to change if she's ever actually going to run that mm-hmm. division. And if she changes, she's not really the Bailey that we like anymore. I think, I think. she can change, and I, I would probably, if I watched more women's wrestling, I would probably be able to make the argument that she has changed a little bit. Now, granted, I don't even know if we've seen her on NXT TV with the women's title. I I don't remember whether or not that's happened. But I think... I don't recall. She can totally be the uber-wrestling fan. You know, she doesn't need to be awkward about it. She has to feel like she belongs, and I agree with you on that. But she can still be the uber-wrestling fan character who is just so in love with where she is and what she's doing that she just happens to be really good at it because she's been trying. But that's the piece. You know, up until now, she's been the little sister who's never been able to, you know, she's the afterthought. It's Charlotte and Sasha and Becky and Bailey. You know, she's the fourth one. So she needs these kind of moments. And so I do think they can main event. I do think Bailey can lead the division if they give her time. The problem is the list of wrestlers around her. You've got your Dana Brooke, Emma, Eva. They just signed somebody who's probably going to dominate. You know, they signed Kana or Asuka or whatever her name is now. But they... That women's division is in poor shape. Well, they just signed two people. They signed this Japanese person who seems to be, and forgive me if I'm wrong, somebody can correct me, you always do, she seems to be the female equivalent of Kenta slash Hideo Itami. So they just signed a top Japanese women's wrestler. From what I've seen online, they just signed a top uh, American wrestler. I think her name was Athena or something like that. So they're bringing in some new people, but it is... Those people need time to be established. Yes. They 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 too quickly got rid of all their top level mm-hmm. talent, and I'm not just talking about the no, women's I division agree. either. There's a giant problem in NXT right now where they just have this vacuum of top tier talent. They had an abundance of it six months ago, and now suddenly, I mean, don't get me wrong, Finn Balor is talented. I think he's boring, but he is talented. But who else is there around him? Who's he going to feud but, with? Well, and that's why it's a main event match. It's a main event match because you've got the tag team tournament of which Finn Balor and Samoa Joe are probably going to either win or come close to winning, which then sets them up to feud with each other if they lose. But I'm not done. Okay, I'm sorry. Yet. Go ahead. Hold on. I'll a go second. to the bathroom. You go ahead. I'm just kidding. I'm not leaving. No, no. I'm not no leaving. Wait a second. Yeah, who knows what hashtag I'll come no, up with. I, this can one. I tell you? No, go ahead. I'll finish that thought later. Keep complaining. All right. The, the, the one thing I just want to say about NXT that boggles my mind is, okay, so NXT was supposed to be this sort of minor leagues, right? A developmental territory for the next up-and-coming WWE stars. That's fine. If that's the purpose of NXT, great. But last year, when they started bringing in all these guys, they had, you know, Sami Zayn, they had Hideo Itami, they had Finn Balor just starting out, Kevin Owens showed up, you had Neville doing his thing down there, you had all these guys, all this talent, and suddenly they said, oh, we're going to put NXT on the road. 
this is going to be a touring brand now. And I got real excited. I thought, oh man, that's awesome. We're suddenly going to have this other brand that's a little more wrestling focused, a little less pomp and circumstance, something that I could really get behind, something I was really enjoying on the WWE Network. Suddenly that was going to maybe be touring and be a show that I could go and see, right? And so that... That, that changed NXT. It was no longer just a developmental territory. It was a brand of its own. Well, where the hell is that brand now? What the hell happened to that? Because now you took all your top guys, you put them on the main roster, and you left NXT as this touring brand with nobody to headline any shows. What the hell are they thinking? I am done complaining. Counterpoint, please. Wrestling is cyclical. It comes and it goes in a large, in, in a many different ways. And one of those ways is in the talents and where the talents are coming from. And NXT had, in 2014, NXT was better than WWE. It just was. You had, you had sure was. Owens there kind of at the end, but you had your Tyson Kid, Finn Balor, not Finn Balor was at the end too, but your Tyson kids, Sami Zayn, Tyler Breeze, Neville, you had this huge crop of stars. But now, thanks to injury, because if Hideo Itami and Sami Zayn were both healthy, I don't, Zayn might be in WWE, but we'd probably be seeing Finn versus Hideo or Finn versus Zayn or some combination of that, some triple threat or something. So injuries hampered them, but then they also said, oh, Neville's a great wrestler. Let's move him up. Owens is a great wrestler. Let's move him up. We've got three great stars and you and. Yeah, let's move all these guy ups and do nothing of worthwhile with any of them. Yeah, great, great choice. Well, it's because guys. you bring the top wrestlers so that way they can have your main event. You know, Neville, I would guess if I looked, has probably been on main event or superstars more in the last few weeks than Raw or SmackDown. So you bring no them doubt. up, you bring up your women. And so now their focus is on the tag teams. This Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic is no accident. It is not there just in honor of Dusty Rhodes who liked tag team wrestling. It's, hey, look, we've got five or six really good teams, and we have very little singles action. So let's build a tournament so that our wrestling can be tag team focused for the next two or three months. And then maybe by then, Apollo Crews will be ready to start making his way up. By then, we'll have, you know, maybe we brought in Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Maybe by then, we'll have signed whoever these other indie guys are that they've signed. So maybe then we'll be ready to start focusing on the singles division. But my guess is at NXT TakeOver on October 7th, Finn Balor and Samoa Joe will be facing whomever the, you know, maybe it's Ciampa and Gargano, maybe it's whoever the uh, other people are. Yeah. And then they wind up, do you know that for sure? No, I'm just guessing. And then they wind up, you know, whether it's through accident or somebody turns on the other, now... Takeover ends with Finn and Joe at odds instead of his teammates, and that builds to the next takeover. I agree, except at some point Hideo Itami has to come back. It's supposed right? to be December-ish, and that's when it will be revealed that Finn Balor attacked him. Because yes, Finn Balor is going to be a heel by, I'll say, by the end of 2015, Finn Balor's a heel. That's my prediction because he's got to be the guy because Finn Balor becomes much more interesting. If he's a bad guy, right? Right I now, the so demon too. thing is, you know, it's fine. I, I you know, they could have, they dropped the ball a little bit trying to establish two different characters. I would have rather the demon been this alternate personality and not just, you know. The thing is, he has no personality otherwise. And the demon doesn't show any personality. All they do is he has a fancy entrance and he's painted up. 
That's it. You're right. He should have come out, and at those pay-per-views, he should be more aggressive. He should be vicious. He should be slapping people across the face, just like Sami Zayn when he exactly. showed that streak in his character. But they don't. It's the exact same personality-less character, just one's dressed yeah. up and the other Finn ones. Ba- it's Finn Balor is your, your traditional face. He's you know talks about how honored he is to be here and how much respect he has for the business. The demon cheats. Yeah, absolutely. the demon will you know bash what? your. Then the demon starts spreading into Finn Balor, exactly. right? You start you start exactly. seeing yeah. a little bit more of that, and you're okay. Is this you know is this demon taking over? And I know that's a little bit of the supernatural, which you know, but fine. But you know what? That could still happen. Maybe that's the storyline they're going to go with. Who knows? But they need to get there before I completely stop caring about yes. Finn Balor. So right now we've got the tag tournament, which. I'm excited about. I like tag team wrestling. They talked about it on the Austin podcast and, you know, why this is good for tag team wrestling. Um, any teams? I will say it's, it's too much tag team wrestling in a short period of time for my liking. I think part of the problem is simply that NXT is only an hour. If they were doing two hour shows, they'd be able to maybe still further some of their other divisions as well. Um, I think that's maybe a major problem with NXT that needs to be addressed in the future. So are you saying we need to have a state of NXT podcast one of these days? We've been talking about doing, you know. I think we just well, had that's it mostly, true. but. Uh, or then yeah. that's one last thing. I saw a picture, and it's obviously fake, but it makes me wonder. The NXT is traveling to the UK in December. Their general manager, William Regal, is from the UK. Do you think we see a William Regal retirement match? The graphic that I saw, and it was so obviously, I I hate when people share with me, and I'm sorry if you do it. I don't hate you, but I hate when you share obviously photoshopped pictures and are like, hey, what do you think? I just saw this. Do you think it's true? And I'm like, no, it's obviously not true. They showed a picture of William Regal and Tyler Breeze, and it looked like it came from a late, or an early 90s like Game Gear game. It was like a pixelated face of Regal. It was a pixelated face of Breeze. I don't think the match is necessarily not going to happen. It's possible. But just don't share something that I can look at for five seconds with my very limited computer know-how and be able to say, well, that's obviously fake. So, Sure. I mean, in terms of the match, that sounds like that could be good. I don't know if we need to be a retirement match or not, but obviously they've been building sort of a feud between the two of them. Um, that'd be a great place for William Regal to uh, get back into the ring if he was going to at all, ever, um, even mm-hmm. if it's just a one Well, and, and you so. can see from his body, like, and granted he's wearing suits, but he is obviously not in the same shape he was in in his wrestling days. He's lost a lot of mm-hmm. the musculature, which is what happens when you stop working out every day and you stop taking whatever it is wrestlers may or may not take. But... I, I, and I know he has some sort of medical condition that kind of took him out of the ring for a while. I think he would do one more match he's in, you know, or one more tour. Maybe he wrestles Tyler Breeze in three or four of these UK shows. But I think it's going to happen. We're going to see Regal in some case. Maybe it's Regal teaming with Neville against Breeze and somebody else or whoever, Dempsey or Dillinger or somebody. But I do think that happens. All right, so we've talked about NXT and the... The sad state. Do you really think you're going to get to a point like if in three or four weeks it's not any better? No, I'll admit I didn't watch Balor and Joe versus the Lucha Dragons because I knew who was going to win and I didn't really care all that much. Do you think in three or four weeks if the things aren't better, are you going to really stop watching NXT every week? What What would? Mm, I don't know. I've stopped watching before. What would cause so. you to 
find do something else besides possibly watching other things on the WWE network. I can't say it's anything that would happen. It's just a matter of if something else doesn't if if something if something else doesn't ha- if something doesn't happen, you know what I mean? Like I mean, at this point, I just there's not much for me to care about. Um uh, maybe a Sami Zayn return helps things a little mm-hmm. bit, but again, who's he going to feud with? I mean, if Finn Balor has to turn heel, and I would just as easily watch him feud with Samoa Joe. Um, do you think? So I don't. I don't know. If there's any. Do quick you think fixes. when Zayn's gets healthy, he returns to NXT or he returns to WWE? For his sake, hopefully WWE. I. Otherwise, I mean, because clearly NXT is not ever going to be. It's a brand unto itself that's actually like respectable. No. They've shown that that's the case. So I would hope, in the interest of his future career, that he goes to the main roster. But he's never going to do anything of worthwhile there either. He's going to be another Neville uh, stuck in the yeah, my pr- Another Kevin Owens. My matter. prediction is that he comes back at the Rumble and... And he fused with Owens for the Intercontinental and he title? And, and he, you have Zayn versus Owens at WrestleMania. That's what I think we see is, you know, me... And again, this is just... I've done the fantasy booking, and when I do fantasy booking and I like it, it just sticks in my mind. Owens is one of the last four in the Rumble. Zayn's comes in at 29. Zayn comes in at 30. Just charges after him, you know, maybe throws him over the top rope, dives out after him. The two of them brawl all the way back to ringside, you know, to the backstage area, and they fight at WrestleMania. That's that's my guess, but that's more of just what I would really hope to see happen versus anything else. Sure. But you're right, after WrestleMania, that's probably it. You know, after WrestleMania, it's Zayn versus Bray Wyatt or Zayn versus, you know, Stardust or something like that. Yeah, Bray Wyatt will say, oh, your music's too peppy. I'm going to Sister Abigail you. Braun, give him the thing that you do and hold him there for a moment until he passes pass, they out. They pass out really quickly. Uh, they sure do, man. It looks so... It looks so stupid. I don't know. I, he's an impressive specimen, but... That hold that he does just looks ridiculous. I well, it th- takes advantage of the fact that he's six eight, but when you've got somebody who's you know six two and their toes are really touching the ground, it's like that's no longer as yeah. exciting. The stuff with Roman Reigns just looks ridiculous. All right, we need to end on a positive note. We need to promote some positivity here. So think about your WWE and NXT watching and find me something that you're really enjoying. Because right now we've pointed out some flaws in WWE. We've pointed out many flaws in NXT, and they're there. I'm not saying they don't exist. But what are you enjoying about your WWE and NXT programming lately? Nothing. Well, nothing that's like built into like one of the major storylines or anything. But there's always the little things. There's always the talents. Well, that's who what I I'm enjoy, saying. No matter what that's it is, what I'm they're saying. doing. I, I like Kevin Owens. He, he may not be doing anything super worthwhile, but building up to a feud with Ryback. I also like Ryback. I, I think that'll probably work out to something okay. They keep using Cesaro on a weekly basis on television. I mean, I don't remember what he did last week. Who did he feud with? Is he feuding with? Yes. Miz or, uh, but that's gonna. Yeah, I, mean, that, I that's think that's okay. a quick thing, maybe to until yeah, Owens probably. wins the Intercontinental Title or something like that. But yeah, I mean, you know, anytime Cesaro shows up, I'm very entertained. I enjoy watching him. Um, I know he said this was good, trying to get more positive, but thinking back to Raw, they made it the Seth Rollins show. He showed up in four different segments on every hour on the hour, uh, the end of the show, the start of the show. 
he can't carry raw for me. He's, he's not that interesting. I'm sorry. He's just not, um, he's a good wrestler and all, but I don't think he's very, you understand that you understand that during the promoting positivity part of the show, Uh we, well, here, how about this for positivity? Um, I think everything that sting is doing has been sort of enjoyable, sort of, sort of enjoyable. It could be better. I think Sting. I think Sting is not being used correctly. Even that thing with the statue, I think, could have played off better than it did. I don't think the execution was particularly good. As guess what I'm saying. Um, but I like the idea of that. I think that could lead to a good um, matchup. I guess I'm excited for the matches. And again, as a as a wrestling, whether I'm a purist or not. You know, I'm excited for the matchups. I think Cena versus Rollins will be good as long as Cena doesn't try any of his stupid cruiserweight moves because he's not a cruiserweight. Stop acting like one. And I think Sting versus Rollins will be very good. I think Owens and Ryback will be good. New Days and Dudleys will be good. The matches of Night of Champions, I'm not worried about. It's the it's no, the stories aren't totally dragging me in, but I love New Day. Anytime New Day is on TV, I'm a happy guy. They are killing it each and you know, they are the MVPs right now. Now that Heyman's gone for a while, they are the MVPs of just about every single Raw. They're just doing amazing things. I think they certainly do tell me when I can go to the bathroom. Oh, That's true. You're missing it. You're just they're going to eventually have a band and it's going to be great. So I do think that's good. I thought having, you know, I like the tag team wrestling. I know there can be too much of anything is no good, but I liked uh, the match with Dempsey and Breeze against the new guys. Um, oh, yeah, great. So that sets up Breeze versus Dempsey. That's going to be a great feud. I'm going to enjoy that feud. I like both of those guys. I just... I just don't think it does anything for either of them. We we It's just spinning wheels. Well, and, you know, so fine. It is spinning wheels, but, you know... I I don't think Breeze and Dempsey are ever going to be main event talents in NXT or WWE, but as a mid-card feud, could I see them fighting over the Intercontinental title in three or four years? Absolutely. And this would be a great start for that. So I don't mind I sure. don't mind guys that are, you know, destined for the mid-card to still have entertaining stuff. The, you know, I don't remember which of the new guys they were. You know, one of them was interesting. The Johnny Gargano was good. The only thing I took out of Tommaso Ciampa was that he looks like CM Punk. Like even, you know, and you'd have to go back and, but he does, he's got the look, he had the similar tights and everything, but one of them ran towards Bull Dempsey and like tried to run into him and Bull Dempsey put his hands on his hips and just stood there and the guy bounced off of him. And I was like, (laughs) that's what I want from Bull Dempsey. He either needs to be punching Mm -hmm. you in the face or just being like, I'm a big guy. You're not, you know, these little guys. I don't understand what was wrong with the. The initial bull character, like, other than the fact that Kevin Owens came in and kind of stole his Well, thunder, and I think you know? this was more a reflection on, you know, I, I do think there was some truth in the gimmick there where they weren't a big fan of Dempsey's look. And he doesn't look like he's lost a huge amount of weight, but maybe 10 or 15 pounds he's lost. And, you know, I think mm-hmm. that was probably more of what it was, is let's encourage you to lose weight by talking about how fat you are on TV. Wonderful. All right. Well, we tried to promote positivity, folks, and so you can get on Doc Manson's case about trying to promote more positivity. I think, though, in the future, we're going to have some things. Doc and I have been talking about what we want to do with this podcast as we wrap up our show here today. Doc and I have been talking about it, and 
you know, Doc's a B-movie fan, Doc's a horror movie fan, Doc's a Halloween fan. So he and I might need to watch all of the Halloween Havocs, and you might have yourselves your very own Halloween Havoc neighborhood podcast where you can, you know, we'll get your thoughts in it. Maybe we can look into doing something where people, you know, we'll live stream it so people can actually join us online and tweet their favorite Halloween Havoc memories. So I think we're going to have some fun with this. We're going to start looking... You know when you say it on when you say it live on the mic and it goes out to the internet, it means now you have I'm to do it. I'm all for right? it. I'm all, all right. for it. You know, I don't have okay. the commitment issues that WWE has. I'm available fairly frequently. <laughs> I'm up early in the morning. There we go. You start getting up with me at four thirty in the morning, and we'll watch. You know, an hour. We'll watch. You know, one every two or three days, and there we go. It can be part of NAI AM our morning show. Our yeah. morning show here on NAI AM. It's DC Matthews and Doc Manson bringing you all of the Halloween Havoc spookiness. Doc Manson might be asleep, but absolutely. All right. Well, put Oscar on the headphones and I'll podcast with him. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably get uh, just as much love from the audience with Oscar. Hashtag Oscar, yes. So. Get more pictures of that dog up there. All right. Anything... Anything right. else you want to say as we wrap up our show and say goodbye to these fair neighborhoods? We'll be back next week with our prediction show, uh, talking about Night of Champions proper. So anything else on your mind? Any more positive words you want to heap on the fans here? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, let's just see where things go from here. They've got the makings of a lot of things that you know could be good, could be entertaining. So let's just hope that they get That's there. as positive as we can get here on The Optimist and the Pessimist, the DC Matthews and Doc Manson's Hour of Wrestling. All right, folks. Uh, your homework assignment is to uh, get on Doc's case about, let's see, what did he? What was the controversy? Finn Balor is boring. Um, Bailey's not a main event talent. Uh, anyone else you talked about? Seth Rollins can't. No, I agree with that part. I don't think Samoa Joe shows up in WWE. Uh, I think that's about it. So, uh, Stone Cold, who cares about him coming back? Jeff Hardy probably shouldn't yep. come back. Um, any other controversy? You didn't like the, the human centipede, so uh, eh. that's you know we got a lot eh. of human centipede pins. It was dumb. Well, was it, it going to be anything else other than that? Aren't there some movies that you look at and go, "The people have to know this is dumb," and they're just doing it because it's dumb? You're not All wrong. Right. Oh, You're that's the story wrong. of my life. DC Matthews. I'm not wrong. You can fuck. Oh. I mean, honestly, if you want to. Now that we're talking about human I'm not watching again, it. If, no, you don't have to watch it. And I'm not really talking to you, DC, but those out there in the neighborhood, if you like the idea of an uncomfortable film, like, you know, Human Centipede, if you like that idea, seek out a Serbian film. That movie is uncomfortable. What's the title again? That's all a I'm Serbian say about film? That. A Serbian okay. film. That movie is uncomfortable as hell. It's not pre- really um, presented in a very jokey manner. The content is not age appropriate. So if you're if you're under uh, eighteen, don't seek out that film. It's definitely uh, hard R. Maybe in, I don't know if it's NC seventeen even. So actually, I don't know if we actually be talking about this on the podcast or not. But if you're if you're underage, do not seek out a Serbian film. But it is an uncomfortable film. You'll watch it once in your life. I never want to watch it again. Connor. But sometimes that's, you know. Connor, if you're listening, the 12-year-old fan of the New Age Insiders, and I believe he's now followed you or something like that. Connor, if you're listening, don't watch that movie. And T-Hog, if you're listening, Connor's dad, 
don't let your son watch that movie. I have no idea what he's talking about, but when Doc Manson says something's too gross or too, you know, shocking, you can take his, that yeah. to the bank, my friends. All right. His name is Doc Manson. You can find him on Twitter at Doc Manson. Uh, nobody was trying to urge him to tweet more or write more. I'm irritated at you all for that. Uh, but hopefully he'll be a bigger part of the neighborhood in the coming weeks once things quiet down. Uh, my name is DC Matthews. I am the chief of staff of the New Age Insiders. You can find my writings at newageinsiders.com along with the writings of Jason Maltov at New Age Insiders, Liam Stryker at Liam NAI, Rebel Dentist herself, the Queen Heel, Brandon Mack, Adam, all of the NAI team. You can post on Fan Fridays. For my good friend Doc Manson, I am DC Matthews. We will see you around the neighborhood. I think that's a pod. <laughs>